passengers were allowed to travel despite testing positive for COVID-19 after disembarking from the ship. Our U.S. correspondent Jagruti Dave has more. 328 Americans have been evacuated from the Diamond Princess cruise ship and brought back to the U.S. by two chartered planes. They'll be quarantined for two weeks at air bases in California and Texas. The Department of Health and Human Services said all the passengers were initially deemed asymptomatic and given the go-ahead to fly. But on the way to the airport, U.S. officials were told 14 passengers who had been tested two to three days earlier had tested positive for coronavirus. The State Department decided to allow them to continue their evacuation. The 14 patients remained asymptomatic before boarding and were separated from other passengers before and during the flight. The Taliban says it will continue carrying out attacks even while a potential deal is being negotiated with the US to end nearly 20 years of war in Afghanistan. Insurgents claim they killed 19 government soldiers on Sunday night despite an upcoming seven-day pause in fighting. Nick Harper has the latest. The date of the week-long ceasefire has not yet been set. Until then, Taliban commanders say they will continue their attacks. American officials say negotiations have progressed to the point of agreeing a pause in hostilities, something that could pave the way for a lasting peace agreement. Talks broke down late last year amid continued Taliban violence. The US plans to draw down about a third of its 13,000 troops this year, with or without a deal. I'm Nick Harper in Washington. And more than 1,100 officials and former prosecutors have signed an open letter calling on the U.S. Attorney General to resign. The move comes after William Barr intervened to lower a sentencing recommendation for President Trump's long-term ally, Roger Stone. Here's FSN's William Denslow. In the open letter, former Justice Department lawyers said they strongly condemn both the President and Attorney General's interference in the fair administration of justice. As well as calling on William Barr to step down, they urged government officials to report any suspected unethical behaviour at the Justice Department. This comes after Barr recommended a more lenient sentence for Republican political operative Roger Stone, who faced charges connected to special counsel Robert Mueller's probe into Russian interference in the 2016 US elections. Barr is seen as a strong ally of Donald Trump but the president denies intervening in the Justice Department's decision. William Denslow, New York. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible-reading, gun-toting, Air Force veteran, wife and mom, righteously American. some kind of way if you got weather like we have here it's just gloomy and overcast and there's like a there's like a pall of destruction over the land no I'm kidding it's just it's just gloomy it's a regular winter day um, no reason to call Greta Thunberg or be concerned that you know some catastrophic item is about to occur it's not it's just weather uh, so welcome to the program today we're gonna talk about uh, a few different things we'll start off with um, well I Title the show, you know, that the U.S. Border Patrol is coming after these sanctuary cities. And the reason they're doing it is not because Donald Trump hates immigrants or because U.S. Border Patrol is full of white supremacists. It's because people are dying and getting raped and kidnapped. And it's everybody from small children and little, little girls and boys to elderly women being raped by these repeat offenders. I mean, it is so true that it's a small number of people who do the most damage when it comes to crime. And you can lower crime significantly by getting them off the streets. And what the U.S. Border Patrol is trying to do is that they want to get them out of here. So let me start off with, um, I found this today. I just, I loved this. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. 
Now, Anne Graham Lotz in God's Story wrote, God is looking for those who believe that what he says is more important than what anyone else says. Let me go at that one more time because that's, that's some really good, meaty, grown-up type stuff to consume out of God's word. God is looking for those who believe that what he says is more important than what anyone else says. The reason this is super important for us, and I always connect this back to our daily lives, and most of us, well, I can't say most of us. When I say most of us, I mean the people who listen to this podcast and me and all of the, those of us who are involved in the political uh, world. We're all involved in the political world because if you don't pay any attention to politics and you never vote, you're still a part of this thing because you're paying taxes, you're pumping gas, you're buying groceries. You're a part of politics. You're just a silent partner. You're letting everyone else make the decision for you. But when this scripture, he's going to continue the work that he's doing in us, each of us, it, our own specific work that we're doing, that he's doing in us so that we can do the thing that we've been created to do. He's going to complete it. He's going to work on it and complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, which is the second coming. This is amazing because you would think that as stubborn as we are, I don't know about you, but I'm hard-headed, like, you know, literally marble hard-headed. So super hard and super durable, but easily stained. And, you know, you drop it the wrong way and it's cracked and it's useless to you. That's a, a good characterization of what I've got going on with my head. Uh, literally a hard-headed person. And you would think that God would just say, you know, I already know how everything ends up. This one's too hard-headed for me. I am not going to complete anything in her. I'm going to move on to somebody else who's more worthy, more able to catch things quickly, whatever the case might be. And I, I know in my case, it's a, it's a big case. But instead, he assures us in his word that he is going to stick with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He'll never say, you know what? That's the last straw. He's just not going to do it. So Anne Graham Lott says he's looking for those who believe what he says is more important than what anyone else says, which is particularly important to us because we know that it is so easy to just look around us in the temporal and see the things that are going on. I see a laptop and a couple of radio computers. I see my little Sony Handycam that's helping me broadcast the live stream. I see around me all kinds of things. I see the little 12-pound dog and, you know, I see the, the overcast skies. I see a lot of problems. I see a lot of things that I cannot control, let alone control. Forget control. I can't even impact those things. I'm trying, but it doesn't look like anything's happening. I see a lot of people who want to tell me how to think and how to live. I got a guy on my Facebook page right now who's telling me to come back home, sister, because I'm not a Democrat. And he believes that the only home for me politically and as a person, that this should be my entire psyche is being a Democrat, believing what Democrats believe, and going with his flow. Instead of allowing God to tell me what to do, because remember, God gives us the right to choose for ourselves. So we can choose to reject him and he will not force us. He has the ability to do it. He could move us all around like pieces on a game board if he wanted to. But he chooses to say, you know what, Stacy? If you want a relationship with me, my word shows you how. You can learn how in church. You can learn how by praying to me. But if you choose not to, I'm still here loving you, but I'm not going to make you. Whereas political ideologies say, if you don't have the proper thought pattern, we're going to put you outside. We're going to we're going to defame you. We're going to make sure you understand you're no longer one of us. You're not worthy. And so I have to look at this. This is a routine thing. Black people coming at me and telling me that because I'm not a Democrat, I am dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. Everything from the most profane and obscene to simple, you know, playground petty insults. Some of them just offer me their sympathy. Oh, you're an idiot. You think the Republicans like you and care about you. I don't actually care if any Republicans like or care about me. What I care about is that God's word has laid out what his people are supposed to do. And I know if I can get myself within those boundaries, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to have the intention and be continually fighting with my flesh, myself, my, my soul, my inner man, my thought processes, to be fighting with that, to get within those boundaries of what God has laid out. And that will be the approval that I can attain. I can be approved by simply saying, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then instead of leaving it there, 
going further and finding out what does he require of me? Now that I've assumed this identity, now that I've said I am who I am in Christ, he made me, he saved me, he's brought me out, he's clothed me in white, he's made me a royal priesthood, I am co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? Then if I say to myself that and start running for that, these other people's opinions and their ideas of who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be, they're still going to get in. They're still going to be able to inject themselves and make me aware that I am not approved, but it won't matter to me because I will know what God's word says, which is he started a good work in me and he's never going to stop working on me until Jesus comes back. And then it's instant finishing Kind of like those HGTV shows that you watch. You see they're 27 minutes long or it's 49 minutes long. And in 49 minutes, you see $150,000 worth of home improvements get executed and all the interior design and decorating and furniture. And even the designer comes out and she looks like she's been made over too. That happens in that quick. It's going to happen in the blink of an eye. We'll be made perfect before him, right, holy, and righteous. And we will have those created bodies. No more fat, no more wrinkles, no more blemishes, no more hyperpigmentation, none of that stuff. And so that's why God's eyes are continually roaming the earth looking for a righteous man that he can show himself strong in. That is a person whose heart has been made right with God, and that person is seeking him, seeking his approval, saying, I heard the guy on Facebook, Lord. I heard him when I was in the studio with him last week, but I also know that his words don't have any meaning for me. He cannot answer my prayers. He cannot change my circumstances. He can annoy me. He can do all kinds of things in the temporal if he so chose, but he can't overrule or come between you and me. God is looking for us to have that attitude. So I always link it up to politics because that's, that's what I'm here for. And if you're looking for me to link it up to something else, I know you're going to be disappointed, but there are other people out there who will link it up to other things. I'm here to get people to understand that you can't just believe what God's word says on Sunday and Wednesday night or whenever you're there for the weekend, you know, the morning, like they have a morning for women and you go in for that or your husband goes in for something. You can't just be believing it then. You have to be believing it 24 hours a day. It doesn't say here God is looking for those who believe what he says is more important than anyone, what anyone else says on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's period. So what God wants is for us to look to him, for him to be our truth. And if that truth doesn't line up with my friends or the people that I'm going to church with, maybe you're going to a church where they're saying, you know, it's a personal choice. Abortion is not actually something that we can legislate. Well, then how are we legislating whether or not you can kill somebody? How are we legislating murder? How are we legislating how much money we're supposed to pay in taxes? How are we legislating what color your garage should be if we can't legislate whether or not a woman can decide to kill an unborn baby? I mean, I'm not trying to get on your bad side, but here I am. So that what he thinks is more important than what anyone else thinks. There it is. So if you're going to argue points that are unbiblical because that's what you and your friends believe or that's what you and your political party believe, you can win that argument here in this space, but at some point you're going to have to reckon with God if your beliefs don't line up with what his word says. So we're not, we're not any of us perfect. This isn't a situation where I'm, you know, I've got it going on. I'm perfect. No, 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 no. But what I do know is that there are certain things well, really everything. You can find the answer to any tough question that you have. You can find it in God's word. The truth is there and it's available to you. If you're willing to crack open the scriptures and don't let your Bible get dusty and dig down in there and get what his word says, if you're willing to dig for it, you can find the answer to any difficult question. Because the Bible talks about wisdom and how she stands in the gate and she knocks and she's personified as a woman in that instance. But in the end, if you keep studying, if you keep reading, you learn that wisdom is personified in Jesus Christ who became a man to assume our sin and to take the punishment for it so that we could be made right with God. So the ultimate in wisdom is Jesus Christ. And we can attain higher and higher levels of wisdom by studying God's word to show ourselves approved that we might be able to explain that which we believe. 
we, we have to be able to explain it. We have to be able to tell other people why. So going back to Anne Graham Lott, she says that what he says is more important than what anyone else says, that what God thinks is more important than what anyone else thinks, that what God wants is more important than what anyone else wants, that his will is more important than our own. Hello. I don't know if, about you, but I'm right there in the throes of that. My will was to stay at the old place, not what God had for me. So now I'm just like, what, what do you have for me, Lord? He's got something. I've got to keep on studying, keep on working, keep on going. It will become clear in due time. No chance of me trying to go someplace else and figure it out, trying to ask somebody else and figure it out. It's going to come in the time that he has allotted for it. I have to keep on working. I have to keep on studying. I have to keep on showing myself approved regardless of whether I ever find that out. So she says, God is looking for another Noah, another Meshach, another Shadrach, another Abednego. One person with God is not a person who's alone. It's not two. If it's you and God, it's a majority. And when you understand that, and I don't mean you fully understand it like you never waver. I mean, if you get a human understanding of that, which is that you know it's true and you continue to remind yourself of that truth and you allow it to soak into you, not here in your head, but let it go all the way down so that you've consumed it and it becomes a part of your reality of who you are as a person. It's you and our triune God. As long as you are in line with his word, that's a majority then what people say to you, what they type on Facebook, what they, what they bring to you in any sphere, any, any access point, it will become irrelevant to you because you will know God has asked me to put my feet one in front of the other over here. And I hear somebody coming in over here and it might be a political enemy. It might be a relative. It might be a loved one. It could be a dear friend, whatever. And they might have a brilliant idea for you and it might sound fantastic and it might even be a good thing. But not every good thing is for you and not everything that you might partake of that is outside of what God has asked you to do is going to bring you to where, in, in other words, it's not obedience. It's not where you're supposed to be. And how do you know that? Well, we go back to what I was just talking about. You have to get in that word and read it. The word actually makes you wise so that you can make good decisions. So it's not like you're sitting up and you're saying, Lord, what do I do? And then sitting around waiting for like, you know, six or seven months to try to hear. I mean, you can ask God, you should ask God, what do, what do I do here? Let him speak to you. But wise decision-making also comes from you have taken enough wise counsel over time that you are becoming wise yourself. You are reading God's word on a daily basis, enough of it so that it changes your mind so that it makes you wise. And then you are able to walk with the Holy Spirit and to understand what you are supposed to do. Now, we're all working our way through this. We're all doing this. And so um, it becomes, it's, a, it's always a day-by-day -day thing, and, and it always becomes, you know, it can, be, it can also be, it can feel a little burdensome. You're like, wow, man, you know, being wise, it's not always the most fun thing, but it is the most beneficial thing. And I'm saying this because I know a lot of people who listen to this show are just, you're already bedrock believers. You are, this is not new information for you. But we have a lot of people who are new to the program who've come on from fill-ins that I've done someplace, you've just found from whatever, and you're listening to the podcast. And I normally do an encouragement segment, but I've been a little off on that. I've actually been on my own little journey studying um, in some books and, and learning some things, and it's felt like I've been stopped up. And today I just felt like I had to share this. Because it's, you know, my own personal experience of going on that program last week, the podcast where I defend President Trump and I'm on there with two liberals. And um, afterwards, there was a lot of back and forth on Facebook about that, you know, that appearance. And I just felt like when I when I read those words. Come on back home, sister. In other words, it, and then afterwards, you need to support Mike Bloomberg. You can't possibly support President Trump. That's not the Christian thing to do. That, that person is not really the problem. It's the enemy. The enemy is constantly bringing that back up to me. Look at your parents. They're not, they're not where you are. Look at the other radio hosts around you who their parents have 
crossed over and are Republicans now and they link it to their Christianity and they did they came to it because their child, their adult child went into this industry and they saw what their adult child went through. Your parents haven't done that. So you're obviously wrong. That's not for you. Those people are white. You're black. That's not for you. Anything that comes at me that tells me I'm supposed to look at my skin color, something that is it plays a very tiny sliver of a role in my life. It doesn't have as big of an impact as other people would have all of us to think. Anything that comes at me like that, I know that's from the enemy. It doesn't matter which of my family members believe in the Christian worldview because it, it, anything that boils this down to simply politics is also from the enemy. This is about the Christian worldview. This is about believing if, if you're there, I mean, why are you going to church every Sunday? Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you going to Bible study? Why are you teaching your children that they need to be Christians? If God's word has no power, if prayer cannot change everything that we see, if, it can, if, if prayer is not us partnering with God to do the work that he has for us to do here on the earth, if that's not true, then why are you going? Why are you spending so much time at church? Why are you giving money? Why are you doing that if you don't believe that it's impactful? Oh, wait, but you do believe it. Because when someone is sick, you pray for them. When you're not feeling well in your body, you pray. So you believe it, but you don't believe it about politics. In the realm of politics, that's where you can, you know, lay aside your biblical beliefs. You just take all of that and you set it off to the side. And you say, you know, here we are over here with politics. And with politics, well, I'm black and I'm a victim. Now, when I'm in church and he says, you are a royal priesthood, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You lift your hands up and you get to praising and you might even do a little bit of that cool, you know, um, Christian dancing out in the aisle. You might fall out in the spirit. You are going for it. But then on Wednesday, when Mike Bloomberg or one of the Democrats says you're a victim and you need this government program to fix it for you, then you don't remember the praise dancing you did on Sunday. You're out and you're you're. I, yep, I'm a victim. That's me. I'm a victim. So which is it? Which is it? Just one more little personal anecdote before we get to the stories. I had this guy who sent me a message and he was saying, you know, I just, I know that um, the Democrats aren't that great, but I've, I've got, I'm having problems. I'm trying to figure out which Democrat to vote for because I can't vote for President Trump because I'm a veteran and I've got, you know, he's he's not a good commander in chief and he's got a whole lot of, you know, really bad things that he's said. And so, you know, turns out that um, high and mighty holy roller Stacy was not present in that moment. And I got to typing with my little tiny cat fingers and went to town about how I truly believe that you can't be a practicing Christian and vote for abortion. If you know, now maybe you're ignorant. Maybe you have been just, you know, you've had like a helmet on your head that has prevented you from receiving any information the entire, I don't know, five or six years that we've learned about David DeLayden and the baby parts scandal. And let, let me timeline that out for you just in case you need to use this later for some, or if you're listening, sir, because you're the one who emailed me and you're listening some years ago, a man named David Delayden and the Center for Medical Progress is the name of his organization. They wore button cams and went undercover and they interviewed people at Planned Parenthood about what they do with the remains of an abortion. And he learned and had video of them actually putting the aborted babies into different size Petri dishes and sectioning off the parts. And each part is worth a certain amount of money. The most expensive part is a fully intact brain, which is why... They don't want to outlaw partial birth abortion because when you go in and you do the partial birth abortion, the old way you suck out the brain matter out of the cavity, you collapse, you go in through the back of the baby's neck and then you pull out the body. And so you have the torso, the entire body is intact, but the most important part, the fetal brain, you've just destroyed it. So there we're trying to work out a way to have for women who wait until they're just about ready to have give birth. They want to be able to preserve that intact fetus because it is worth a lot of money because research facilities, such as the ones your kids might be sitting in right now, if you have college age kids, they pay Planned Parenthood for those fetal remains so that they can study them, whatever, research, whatever. And so when we learned about this, 
It was an uproar around the nation. You could hear the people crying out. People were on video crying. People were crying with each other. People were praying. The saints were broken down because they knew abortion was bad, but they didn't realize it was a profit center for Planned Parenthood. And then our government was taking, partaking in this, and then all of us were partaking in it because we're all taxpayers. And so then the left mobilized their minions and began to attack David Delighton and tell him he's wrong. This man is wrong. He didn't. The, he he manipulated these videos. He made it look like they said, you know, an intact cavarium, which is what they call the intact fetal brain. That's a Ferrari for me. A few of those is a Ferrari for me is what the one lady said. So it was so horrifying that a lot of Americans who were pro-choice, really they were pro-life, but they're like, I can't tell other people what to do. When they found out that was going on, it was a tidal shift. You saw more of them come over and begrudgingly even because they don't like pro-lifers because the media has done a really good job of painting us as these horrible people. But they they came over anyway because their consciences were seared. They couldn't take it. They couldn't take what they'd learned. Some people, I know for me, it was so hard to watch the videos. It was so hard. It was like one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch on video. And so there we all are as Americans waiting on the Democrat Party to say, well, you know, we're good with abortions, but we're not good with that, selling the parts. But they couldn't say that because they already knew what was going on. They already were aware of what was going on. And for the rest of us who were just learning, it was kind of like, oh, you late. You know, you should have known about that. So it is in that space where I initially said on the radio at the old place, I said, you know, we're getting to a place where God is going to continue to, with these issues, the social issues specifically, he's going to make it so that you can't be, quote unquote, against abortion personally, but pro-choice in your voting. Where if you make the decision that you're pro-choice, it's going to be because you believe that it really isn't a person, that it really is the mother's right to decide if that person has a right to live, that it really is property of the mother, that once that property is destroyed, the parts can be sold. You are either there or you're over here with us where it's natural, it's conception to natural death, and you will not accept any other option. I said, I said, God's going to fix it so that we all know exactly what's going on and we only have one choice. And it was then that I began to truly believe that abortion was the number one issue that we should vote on. In other words, that's your that's your dividing line. If a person is for the Second Amendment and they're for limited government and they're for reducing the size of government, lowering taxation, do reducing regulations, they think climate change is junk, but they're pro-choice, that you would say, you're not the candidate for me. And the reason is because that's an anomaly. You rarely find someone who is what I just described. They're out there, but they're rare. The truth is, if you find someone who is for life, that person is usually going to be perfectly fine with religious liberty and the Constitution and everything else. But it's irrelevant, really, because what matters? God says in his word that he, he knew us, so he knows us, each one of us personally, before he formed the deep. So before he made the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies before he made earth, planet earth, and before he made everything on the earth, he already knew every single one of us who was going to exist. So if you don't have the right to be alive, how can the right to limited government or the right to bear arms, how can any of those play a role if you're already dead? The answer is they can't. So that means that you then have an issue that you're going to vote on. And it means that if you're writing me, because I, I, I think to myself sometimes, I wonder, why would somebody write me about this? Out of all the people out there who do commentary, all the people out there who have podcasts and radio shows, people much bigger than me when it comes to uh, social media, hundreds of thousands of followers, they're on Fox News all the time, but you're emailing me? And what I'm saying to you is, you can't be 
a practicing Christian and know that Planned Parenthood intentionally lets women get past a certain point so that their babies are worth more money on the market to these universities and that they're planning on carefully aborting that baby so that they can preserve the limbs and the legs and the tiny little feet so they can cut it up and put it in plastic bags and sell it to universities and to our research organization for the federal government. You can't know that and then get in church on Sunday and put your hands in the air and act like God hears you, like your worship is good, if you support that. So I don't know why you're asking me. Are you thinking that this time I'm going to lie? This time I'm going to pat you on the hand and say, yeah, it's okay. Vote for pro-abortion Mike Bloomberg. Vote for communist pro-abortion. He'd abort his own mom if he could. Uh, Bernie Sanders. You're writing me, asking me what I think about it? I think you already know. And I think if I were to say anything different than what you already know, what would that be for you? Some kind of like epiphany or some kind of special moment? You're going to get the same thing. Same thing, different day. I don't care if you email me in the middle of the night, if you go through my website and do a contact form, if you tweet me, I'm going to tell you the same thing. If you know what they're doing with the babies and you vote for it, you ain't nobody's Christian. Now, that might not be correct, but that's what I believe right now. And until I hear different, that's what I'm going to tell you. So you figure out what you want to do. If you ask me and I tell you what I think and then you email me back and say, how dare you? How dare I? You ask me to. That's how I dare. If you ask me for my opinion and I give it to you, don't come back with how dare you because you're wasting your time. Because you haven't changed my mind. You've wasted some of my time, too, because I'm emailing you wasting my time. But that's all. That's all that's happened. No one has changed. So. This is. Like, this is the warrior cry. This is that guy on uh, CNBC when he screamed out and the Tea Party was formed. This is me screaming out to you. Figure it out. It's so simple. The children know. Any child, I, when they ask you, when they hear abortion and they say, what is it? And you say what it is. You say that a doctor kills the baby and takes it out of the mom. And then the child always says, well, what do they do with the baby? They destroy it. They incinerate the baby, which is what they used to do. But now they cut the baby into pieces and sell the parts. And you tell a, a small child that you tell any child that, and they're going to say that's allowed. You, the, you can do that in America. They're, they're disturbed because they're children and they remember I was just a baby. Not too long ago. I was a baby. People do that? That's what they ask. So if the children know, you and your big, you know, I'm a veteran, PhD having, whatever it is that you is your calling card for your accomplishments because you're so cerebrally advanced. You're so much better than the rest of us because you've been educated, but you can't figure this out. So you email me to ask. And I'm supposed to mollycoddle you into feeling good about you planning on voting for somebody who's for that very thing. And if I don't do it, you're going to what? Keep emailing me? Bro, please. Please. So this is what we have to do. You know, we frame this within the strictures of what matters, which is that we are supposed to say to ourselves, you know, my best friend or my friend group or whoever it is, even your spouse, believes that I should do X, Y, and Z with my vote. I'm rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, which is biblical. And they believe I should do X, Y, or Z. But God's word says A and A alone. Which choice do I make? No question. It says it right here. He's looking for those people who believe what he says is more important than anyone else. What he thinks is more important than what anyone else thinks. What God wants is more important than what anyone else wants. That his will is more important than my own. He's looking for another Noah, another Meshach, another Shadrach, another Abednego. You have a choice to make. And emailing me isn't going to make it any easier because I'm never going to say what you want me to say. I'm never going to give in. As long as I have breath, I'll tell you the truth about it and you make up your own mind because the person you have to deal with is not me.
You're never going to deal with me like that. It's God. He's the one with whom you will have to deal. So that went a little bit long, but it's so important. It's so important for us not to forget. We want to please the people around us. We want to be pleasing. All of us do. But in the end, the approval of man, it's like dust that you, you get your dusting stuff and you get it, all your little cleaning supplies out and you go through and you dust all the shelves off and that dust goes into that moistened cloth or towel or whatever and you either wash the towel or you throw the paper towels in the trash and then you go on to the next thing. And you don't think about that dust again and everything's clean. That's what those opinions of other people are like. It's like dust that gets cleared away. It does not survive the blinding holiness of our Father in heaven. Make yourself right with him. My opinion does not matter unless it is the same as what God's word says. And if when you ask me, I tell you the truth from what God's word says, then that's it for me. That's all. That's all I've, I've, I'm supposed to do. Now it's between you and God because you know. And if there's anything I don't want to do is leave anybody hanging where you weren't told because you were listening to me and I was too busy talking about, you know, I'm, we're going to have to talk about President Trump and NASCAR yesterday doing that drive around. He did one lap around, a pace lap. He said, gentlemen, start your engines. He buzzed the stadium in Air Force One. He had so much fun yesterday. I'm sure he's probably still geeking out about it. We're going to talk about that. But if that's all we talk about, I'm, I'm missing out on something that is very important for you and for me. So there it is. Now, I want to move on to... Um, some of our subjects for today, and we have so many. I'm just going to quickly run down these. They're hot news items. Um, first off, over at Breitbart, they're talking about E-Verify in Florida. There's a report out. It turns out that a new bill proposed in Florida's legislature for E-Verify has been analyzed, and it's been found that 140,000 illegals who work in the state of Florida would be pushed out of their jobs and because E-Verify prevents them from hiring any new illegals to replace them, it would be difficult for employers to hire replacement workers at the current wage that they're paying these illegals at. This university study was funded by the investors who are trying to block the E-Verify bill. In other words, cheap foreign labor, slave labor, we're here for it. So if you have to pay a little bit more for your food or what have you to help contribute to the eradication of illegal immigration, which are you going to say? Because we have a social safety net, so please don't start talking about poor people. We have welfare and cards for people to buy food with if they're indigent. So it's just really a matter of what we want to sacrifice ourselves. Do we want to live in a society that has law and order, or do we want to be those people who say, you know what, the cheap fruit and vegetables and cheap restaurant food are much more important to me than people getting raped, kidnapped, murdered, killed, armed, robbed, you know, much more important than that. Armed, robbed, not robbed. Robbed is not a word. So... The quote here is, uh, it's a draft report funded by fwd.us, forward.us, an advocacy group for billionaire investors, including Mark Zuckerberg. And the quote is, existing undocumented workers, if they were to exit the Florida economy in the number anticipated where E-Verify were to be adopted, the adequate numbers of native workers would not be available at the current wage rate. So the workers are there. They're just not there for the dirt cheap, you're a foreigner and you, I'm not going to pay you well, labor rates. Just sinful, garbage people that would advocate for this. Yeah, I said it. So, um, it's quote, this is basically making the case for us that employers are employing illegal workers to keep wages low and increase their own profits. And this is a quote from Rosemary Jinks, Director of Government Relations at Numbers USA. Quote, if they can't replace those workers at the same pay level, then oh my gosh, then they're going to have to increase wages for Americans. It is exactly what should happen. Yes, you should pay people a living wage. And, and if you're shocked that I'm saying that because I'm against the mandatory $15 minimum wage, it's a matter of you putting a wage out there that is corresponds to the, the work that's being done in the job and then people will come and fill those jobs. If you're not offering enough, people won't fill it, and so you'll have to offer a little more. You might have to increase the price of your project, your your product, or you might have to say, you know, what what are we going to do to be a leaner, meaner operation? Maybe this job can be done some with computerized robotics and some with people. What can we do? Um, but this is America. 
the land of innovation. You're telling me we can't figure out a way to make this happen? So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican, proposed this E-Verify bill. And in this new bill, companies that hire illegals would be penalized. A narrow version has passed one committee vote, but business groups will try to kill the bill before it can get to DeSantis's desk. And by business groups, we, need, we, we mean these people who want to hire human beings to work for slave wages. That's what's going on here. The law would also help narrow the income gap between the least educated and better educated workers. The current shortage of workers already has reduced the size of the difference in wages paid to less educated workers versus well-educated workers by 6 to 9%. So um, President Trump's zigzag opposition to corporate migration is forcing companies to raise wages and boost the training of sidelined and unskilled American workers. Fox News described on February 13th how Florida's construction industry is reacting to a claims shortage of cheap workers by training unskilled Americans. Now, remember, this is what is supposed to be going on. This is America and a company that is looking for workers and realizes the workforce that they're pulling from doesn't have the skills required. You shouldn't go out to a foreign country and get those workers. You should train the workforce that's available. It should be an issue of you're saying, instead of me hiring you on day one and paying you $18 an hour to do this job, you're coming to me unskilled. So the first six months you're in training, we're going to train you how to do this job and you're only going to make $10 an hour during that period but we'll give you, you know, a stipend or you're staying in a dorm on our facility or whatever that whatever needs to be done. And this goes back to I'm going straight back to the word. When we as business owners and I, I'm, you know, this is anybody, no judgment, if you're a business owner and you take advantage of your workers, you are not well, I'm doing that for profitability. No, that's a sin. When you take advantage of other people, but you constrict it to the workforce, the workplace, you're sinning. God doesn't smile on that. When you go around the workforce that you're supposed to employ and hire foreign workers, you're sinning. You can, you can hide it and couch it within, well, we have HB visas. I, these are HB2 workers. Of course they are. Of course that you can, I mean, any big organization, any group of people can organize themselves into a constituency group and lobby and get laws passed to make anything sinful that you want to do legal. We legalized abortion. We've legalized um, same-sex marriage. You can do almost anything with the law. But what does God's word say? It says we're supposed to deal well. We are supposed to actually deal fairly with those who we engage in business with, whether it's a, it's a co-equal type of thing where you're doing a deal together or if you're an employer and you're bringing in people. You're supposed to care for the worker that comes for 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 your your job that's what god's word tells us to do so there's some more here you'll find the link in the uh the listen.stacyontheright.com where the podcast for today is you also have some bonus content today because i did some taping over at life set so you can watch the show over there or you can listen to it at the podcast site uh, i love being able to convert those shows so that they're also on the podcast area because sometimes you don't you don't you're not in the mood to watch. You want to listen because you're in the car, you're traveling, you're maybe driving, especially for the, the friends who are in the audience who are trucking. You're going across the country. You just want to listen to the show. So that's why I put those in there for you. Um, and also, please, if you listen to me on the Glover Show with uh, the two Democrat gentlemen and you thought that was great radio, please share that. Just put the link wherever you post links and let people check that out. I thought I did a pretty decent job of arguing the points with them fairly and not, you know, engaging in name calling and all that other stuff. I didn't I did not vilify them. I mean, there's always content to work with, but it wasn't me. I didn't do that. So uh, as we close out this story over at Breitbart, I just want to point you to this little bit. Uh, it's a clip of Bernie Sanders in 2007. He says, I believe we have a very serious immigration problems in this country. I think, as you've heard today, sanctions against employers who employ illegal immigrants is virtually non-existent. Our border is very porous. Now, weirdly enough, this is 2007. He still looks exactly the same. And he's saying that, and now he's completely retracted all of that because he needs to be the socialist. How about you put that in your pipe and smoke it? So um, 
I think it's pretty funny that Mark Zuckerberg, who bought hundreds of acres and just gobs of single family homes around his primary residence in Hawaii, where his wife and baby live, he bought all of that land up and converted it into green space to provide a buffer between him and his nearest neighbors. But he believes we should have open borders. No buffer for you between criminals from Mexico, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. No buffer for you. But by all means, he needs a buffer around his property. He also believes that, um, you know, cheap labor is a good thing for America. But he doesn't practice that for you. In other words, these are people who will displace you. And he's fine with it. This is not a good person. Doesn't mean he can't be a good person, but as of this moment, this is this is not this is not an example for us, this guy. So, a little bit of good news. According to the Daily Wire, the United States led the entire world in reducing CO2 emissions in 2019. This is according to the International Energy Agency, IEA, and they did this report on Tuesday. They said Quote, the United States saw the largest decline in energy-related CO2 emissions in 2019 on a country basis, a fall of 140 MT, or 2.9%, to 4.8 GT. U.S. emissions are now down almost 1 GT from their peak in the year 2000, the largest absolute decline by any country over that period. The 15% reduction in the use of coal for power generation underpinned the decline in overall U.S. emissions in 2019, Coal-fired power plants faced even stronger competition from natural gas-fired generation, with benchmark gas prices an average of 45% lower than 2018 levels. As a result, gas increased its share in electricity generation to a record high of 37%. Overall electricity demand declined because demand for air conditioning and heating was lower as a result of a milder summer and winter weather. Awesome news. You can share that story as well. It's there in the show notes. And so... A couple more things. Um, I mentioned that the Border Patrol is going to deploy um, these tactical units to sanctuary cities. And they're doing that because the sanctuary cities are letting the criminals. They arrest them. They know they're criminals. And they let them out. And then they go out and they do even more heinous crimes. So the Trump administration is sending specialized tactical immigration enforcement units from the southern border as a part of an extensive arrest operation in sanctuary cities across the country. And this is needed to protect us. Uh, These tactical immigration enforcement units are basically SWAT, but they're SWAT for immigration. They will be coming in and they will be arresting these people and getting them out of our neighborhoods, getting them out of our communities. They're going to be sent to cities including Chicago and New York to help bolster the power of immigration and customs enforcement officers who are already in the area. This is according to two officials who are familiar with the matter. Agents are also expected to be sent to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Houston, Boston, New Orleans, Detroit, Newark, New Jersey. Is the last name. Yeah. Awesome. That is good news. Um, I, I couldn't be more happy with what President Trump is attempting to do. We just have to keep praying for him that he can continue to execute on what he promised. He's trying so hard and we just need to keep praying for him. Uh, okay. Last couple stories here as we close out the hour. Uh, opioid prescriptions down significantly in Missouri on Medicaid recipients. So, Jefferson City, Missouri, the AP is reporting that the number of people receiving opioid prescriptions for pain relief in Missouri's Medicaid health care program has declined significantly in the past couple of years amid increased attention to opioid addictions. New figures provided to the Associated Press show that 2019 was the second straight year of double-digit percentage drops in the number of Medicaid participants prescribed opioids, the quantity of pills they received, and the overall potency of these dosages. Now here's the big take. Here's the big, big, big take. There was a decline in Medicaid opioid use that far outpaced the slight decline in the average monthly number of Medicaid participants during that period. So the total number, and this is 2019's numbers, of Medicaid participants receiving opioid prescriptions was down 12%, and the quantity of pills that were prescribed was down 25%. The overall potency of those prescriptions was down 30% from 2018. So, so good. So good. So here's the best part of this story. Preliminary data indicate a 10% reduction in opioid overdose deaths in Missouri for the year of 2019. 
And that is due in no small part to the president making this a priority. Fewer people are dying of opioid overdoses because of things that have been done by this president. Just add that to the list of reasons why you would want to vote for him as opposed to one of these abortion-loving Democrats. I mean, it's good news. And it's specifically out of my home state, which I think is wonderful to boot. But it means it's happening elsewhere. If it's happening in Missouri, it's happening elsewhere. And it's good news. It's a great trend for us to report. Okay, last story. And this one is a bit... I'm just going to report it. It's on my last nerve. Um, and this is some good news. So more good news on a Monday. Y'all, can we just have some like a good news Monday? I need to have somebody who cares about me make a good news Monday bumper intro so I can just play that. And then we can just talk about good news for like, you know, I don't know, six or seven minutes. This one is an interesting story. It's over by Adam Ford over at DS, DISRN. Girl beats transgender track star by 0.02 seconds in state championship race. You heard me. A high school girl defeated a transgender track star named Terry Miller, a biological male, at a Connecticut state championship race Friday night, just two days after a lawsuit was filed in an effort to stop males from being able to perform in female sports. Chelsea Mitchell won the Class S 55-meter dash title with a time of 7.18 seconds, narrowly beating the transgender runner who finished at 7.2 seconds. It's definitely big because I've never beaten her before, Mitchell said, referring to Miller. It's big because she beat a man. Yeah. <laughs> These girls keep coming up. These girls are coming up. They're like, you know what? We're going to sue you on this side. But over here on this side where we're racing, we're going to beat you as well. How about that? I love it. So um, I had other. So this is this is like. You know, sometimes I'm like, wow, what am I going to talk about today? Today was not one of those days. I found so many things. And um, we just went through our rundown. You can find all of the links. Listen.stacyontheright.com. You can contribute to the show at paypal.me slash right. You can also mail your gifts to us uh, if, you, if you feel so led. Um, those things that are contributed go to help offset the cost of running the show. So the podcast, um, the, all, the little fees that I have that actually – I, that's how I keep it on the air. Um, your contributions help with that. And I know I saw a friend who was saying he's looking for his 500th supporter on Patreon. And I thought, wow, that dude is light years ahead of me. But God is good and he has been taking care of me and this show so far. And I hope to one day have like a wonderful announcement show where we've we've got a new home and we're good to go. But until then, your support has been so fantastic. And I just want to say thank you. And God bless you. And thank you for being awesome. All right. You know what? That's the show for today. It's Monday. And we have so much more stuff to get into. Like, I got to figure out what I'm making for dinner. Um, and I have some other things to do. So like some errands to run before it gets dark. It's getting dark later and later every day. So I'm really happy about that. Um, so you guys, have a fantastic evening. Share the show with someone who needs to hear the good word we're putting out here. And I'll be back with you tomorrow with more Stacey on the Right.